The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word. I'm excited to get into the Word. I mean, the, the Scripture is so powerful and, and necessary. Uh, have you been watching the news? Some people try to avoid the news these days. Uh, last night, I mean, it's almost like which one of my favorite fast food chains is going to burn next is the question, you know. A very uh, horrible situation in Atlanta and, and more riots and things like that. I mean, uh, last week when I, I, I woke up on Sunday morning and I told Ashley, hey, I feel something stirring in my spirit to talk about. We talked about provocation because I, I really feel like there is a, a spirit of provocation at loose across our nation, attempting to provoke people into behaviors that are, are outside of what is prosperous. Uh, whether it's one way or another, it doesn't matter what side, whether it's liberal or conservative, whether it's, it's black or white, and honestly, we should quit talking about black and white and just talk about people. But that was last week, that spirit of provocation. And if you missed that, I wanna, we'll, we'll double check, make sure that it's online for you to listen to. And I want to encourage you to listen to it because provocation is this act to draw you out of a place of stability, to, to react instead of respond. God's equipped us to respond. He's given us instruction and counsel. He's empowered us with his spirit. But yet that provocation is wanting us to abandon all of that response and fall into a state of reaction and it causes uh, more harm than good. It, it adds to the problem rather than brings the solution. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back there. Now there's this week. This week, I wanted to talk more about the response. If that spirit of provocation is at work, and, and it is. You know, I, I've, I've, I've probably told you before, I get to practice what I preach. There are some Sundays where I feel a word in my spirit, and I think, uh, please, God, no. My wife, she knows what I'm talking about, so we got a little bit of a mm-hmm. That's a wife's amen. That's what that is. So all, that's a pastor's wife's amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's been times I've been led to, to talk about, uh, uh, you know, the, the marriage covenant or marriage and family, and then that, that following week is, is like hell on earth. I mean, the, the biggest trials and tribulations and, and frustrations and, and hardships and so I know that I get to practice what I preach, and, and it's something that uh, used to frustrate me. Now I just think, hey, you know, if that's what it takes to be bringing a valid word, so be it. And I want to walk out what we believe and what we speak. Well, last week's word was, uh, hey, there's a spirit of provocation that's at work. So guess how my week went last week? I mean, it was one thing after the next. It got to where I, I wanted to just go throw my phone in Lake Kirby and drive away. I'm serious. It was just, and some of you, and you got to understand, this isn't just me. It's not just like, well, Pastor Preston preaches it, and then he walks through it. You may have had a week like that. And I'm telling you, that's a real thing. I mean, God's speaking to us. He's preparing us. He's, he's leading us and guiding us into these things. And when we have words like that, it, there's, there's intention behind it. Now, there's this week, because last week we talked about the, you know, not being those who react to, to situations, but being those who are equipped to respond. I want to look at what that response is, and I want to talk to you about something very specific in the Scripture. I want to give you, here's a few things we'll find, okay? So you can write these things down if you like in your notes. I like to do that because it helps me 
stay on course and not get distracted. I got news for you. I'm, I'm no different than you. I mean, about 11 o'clock, I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if KFC has their dining room opened yet. You know, I mean, it just stuff like that can be a distraction. So I want to hang in there and stay engaged. Uh, one thing that we're going to find is what we have as Christians. What we have as Christians. I think that's a really big deal to understand. There's a lot of things in Christianity that, that we, we step into, and, and yet we don't talk about those things. We don't teach about them. Uh, we don't uh, engage in conversation about them, and I think we ought to. I think we, this group right here, could be the exception to that rule, if it is a rule, and we could begin to discuss those things uh, in, a, in a very productive way where we can grow and mature in those things that we've stepped into as believers. A second thing we're going to find is why we have the Holy Ghost. Why we have the Holy Spirit. You know, much of the things that we've experienced as believers or in the history of the church, these are not things that just happened and now we look back on like we are commentators or newscasters just saying, well, this happened and this happened and, and that was good because of this and that was good because of that. These are things that God ordained before they ever came to pass. They're part of his plan. They're not just things that we look back on and observe and try to figure out. They're things that he said, I'm going to do this and here's why, and then he did it. So I want to understand why it is that he did what he did. I want to know why the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives, why we have the Holy Ghost. A third thing we're going to find is what our purpose is as Christians. What our purpose is. Now, you need to understand, I'm not meaning this cynically uh, or, or cynically speaking, and I'm not being cynical, however I should say that to say it properly. I've seen a number of different things. I've seen people pick and choose their churches for, for interesting reasons, political reasons, or, or, or uh, reasons for uh, business reasons, things like that. Now, God is, is establishing the church, a, a community, the body of Christ, with a purpose, and if we miss that purpose, we can miss out on everything that God has established for us and the reason why he's done the things he's done through Jesus and the release of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to get into the word here. I mentioned before what we have as Christians. I want to find out what we have as Christians. We're going to find that right now. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It's very straightforward. It's going to reveal what you have. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, you, that's talking directly to you, whoever is reading this as a believer, as, as one who's been bought by the blood of Jesus, consecrated, set apart to the Father, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. So with this passage of Scripture, every Christian, regardless of age, regardless of how long you've been a believer, this isn't something that you earn or achieve in degrees or stages over, over time. When you become a believer, you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. So rather than get hung up on that word for now, because we're going to talk about what that means in a moment, it needs to be understood. If you're a Christian, you're anointed. You have an anointing. Now that does raise the question, well, what is that? What does that mean? I want to tell you a, a definition of anointing. It's not one that you're going to find in the dictionary. It's one that I want to offer to you based on biblical context, okay? So this is Pastor Preston's definition. 
I surrender that. I make that very clear. I don't hide that. If you want to debate that, we can talk about it. No problem. But based on my understanding of the word anointing throughout the Bible, I want to offer this to you as a biblical definition. Anointing. God's ability as your enablement. God's ability as your enablement. All the things that God can do, all of his power, all of his wisdom, all of his might, God's ability as your enablement. He's called you to do things. He's he's given you a mission. He's given you a, a purpose. He's sent you out. And now he has empowered you to do or accomplish those things. Now, if we fail to understand the concept of God's anointing on our life, then we feel like we've been set up to fail or given mission impossible. God's asked me to do this. He's asked me to walk and crucify the flesh. How can I do that without being empowered with his power to do it? Because mine sure isn't getting it done. God's called me to to reach people with his kingdom. But yet I'm shy or, or I'm fearful or I'm anxious. How can I do that unless he empowers me? There's a reason why when you see men like Peter who were considered uneducated fishermen and they stood before educated men, they spoke with such eloquence. It wasn't because they Googled how to speak publicly the night before. I mean, they didn't just crash a a crash course in in public speaking and then they stood before all of the doctors of the law and they they just kind of knocked one out of the park. It was like, whoo, that worked out. The Spirit of God moved in them. God's ability became their enablement. That's the anointing. And you and I have an anointing when we become believers. And this should be encouraging to us when we think about the things that we're facing and dealing with, when we turn on the news and we hear what's going on in the world, we shouldn't be overcome with anxiety, fear, and concern. Rather, we should understand, God, I know all of your ability, all of your power, and all of your authority is available to operate through me to be the solution to every one of these problems. And that is why, Father, I yield my life to your counsel and direction. Here I am. Use me. God's ability is your enablement. And here's something that's really cool. I want to offer this as a passage of Scripture. I think a lot of pastors would not offer this passage of scripture for fear that people would abuse it or, or misunderstand it. I have no problem. I mean, it's God's word to uphold and confirm, so I'm going to share it with you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I'll explain what I meant by that in a moment. As for you, that's again talking to you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you, But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as he has taught you, abide in him. Okay, that last part gets a little choppy because we don't really talk that way, but what it's saying here is that the anointing is something God puts in you. It's not something you learn. Now, a moment ago, I said something that might have sounded kind of strange, that some pastors might avoid that passage of Scripture because some people would say, I don't need a teacher. I don't need anyone to teach me. That's not really what the verse is saying. I mean, we're called to have uh, teachers, and we're called to, to, to get into the Word and admonish one another is what the Scripture says. Now, honestly, I don't think that this structure in the Western church is God's design. I don't think that, you know, the senior pastor and the staff, no, I don't think that that's the, the, the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the culture of the United States of America, and so we function and operate in that, and I look forward to that culture being matured. I look forward to growing out of that. 
I look forward to the day when, when one of you comes and says, hey, pastor, God's put a word in my heart. I'd like to share it with the congregation. And I say, hey, let's talk about that. Let's get it scheduled and let's do it. Instead of be kind of the front man for the church where once a week, well, Pastor Jared leads us in a couple of songs, then Pastor Preston comes and preaches. I mean, the, the word and the spirit is flowing through the body. The anointing to bring the word of God is as much in you as it is in me. So when we come to this place where we're talking about the anointing, when, when, when John is writing and he says, you have an anointing which you receive from him and you don't need anyone to teach you, what he's saying is the anointing can't be taught. It is the anointing. You don't get more anointed than anointing. You don't get more anointed than anointed. You, you just don't grow or increase in it. You know, when we have people come in as speakers or, or leaders or men that minister in, in certain gifts of the Spirit or something like that, oftentimes we identify that person as, you know, boy, they're really anointed. Well, the truth is the anointing is in you and it is in me. It's not in measure. There's not a greater anointing or a lesser anointing. It's simply there. So the question is then, you know, what's going on? I mentioned before we're going to find out why we have the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Ghost? You've got to first of all come to the place where we understand this is God's design. This isn't just something that happened like a traffic accident and then God's there kind of straightening it up and fixing it. He ordained all of this. He sent Jesus to come and proclaim the truth according to the scripture, to reveal grace and truth, to reconcile us to the Father, to offer up himself, his own body, as propitiation for our sins, to take our place on the cross, to take out of the way the wrath of God, and according to Colossians, take out of the way all sin, all corruption, everything that was hostile toward us or that we were indebted to. The scripture says that he nailed that to the cross. That's why Jesus became sin for our sin and a curse to redeem the curse. You can see these things throughout the scripture. Then the resurrection coming out of the grave, proclaiming the truth, and then ascending to the heavens, and then outpouring or pouring out the Holy Spirit upon the people of God, all fulfilling what God said he was going to do. All of that is 100% intentional. So I have to ask myself, why? God, in all of your sovereignty, in all of your understanding, in all of your knowledge, why is this your design? You could do this any other way, but yet this is how you choose to do it. I want to understand, I want to come to the place where I see why it is that God's doing what he's doing, and I'm beginning to see that when I see things in the scripture through the understanding of God's anointing on my life and your life. I want to give you a passage of scripture here in response to why we have the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Now, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 make up uh, part of our, our church's uh, vision statement. I mean, vision statements to me are really, you know, most of them are kind of cut and paste and they're all the same. Well, we want to glorify God and reach people for the kingdom of God. Well, we've included this passage of scripture in our vision statement for a reason. Jesus is quoting, or he's reading rather, out of the book of Isaiah, and he speaks something that we need to take note of. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He says this, and I want to pause. I'm going to interrupt the passage because I want us to catch a specific word. 
Jesus is speaking. He stands. He's been baptized in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit has come upon him and remained upon him just like God revealed it would, identifying him as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of all mankind. He stands before people of the people of God and he proclaims this out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now here's the word I want us to catch. Because. The Holy Spirit is in my life because. Now this isn't exclusive to Jesus. This is exclusive to any person that has the Holy Spirit active in their life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Preston Humphreys because. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, your family, your household, all of those that have called upon the name of the Lord, received His free gift of salvation, and and been baptized in His Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Now here comes the because. God has anointed me. There's that word again. He's given me an anointing. Anointing being his ability is my enablement. He's enabled me to do these things with his power, his authority. The Spirit is upon me because God has anointed me. And he goes on to reveal what that anointing is for. To preach the gospel to the poor. To proclaim release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I mean, that's a passage of scripture that I think we could soak on. And maybe we should. Maybe I ought to just ask, hey, what if we this week just took that passage out of Luke and committed to look at it, even if it's just once a day, and ask God, Father, will you show me how this applies to me? How your spirit is in my life because you've anointed me. And you've anointed me to do these things. We have an anointing. And when you look at the anointing and its activity in the life of Jesus Christ, his example, he's known as the apostle, meaning he's the example that we follow after. The book of Acts identifies his example. In uh, chapter 10, I look at verse 38 specifically. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, You know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him, there's the word again, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know what I want? I want to be able to, and I want everyone that I've got any influence in their life to be able to, Write in their name in that passage. You know Preston Humphreys, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Would you like that? Would you like to be able to sub your name in there? I mean, maybe I'm just weird, but I want that. And I know that God's made that available. He's called us to the same anointing as Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit that is functioning and active and and, and powerful in my life and in your life is the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus in the Jordan River. 
Oh, the anointing does something great. And there's a reason why God has given every believer an anointing. Now, I want to move through this, and I want to cover some, some ground. So I'm asking, let's dig deep. I want to keep it short, but I don't want to miss a single point. So do me a favor, and let's pay attention to the words here, and let's let God do something great in the renewal of our minds and the changing in our hearts to lead us and guide us into what's true. And when we're looking at anointing in the Scripture, we see something. I want to give you a passage of Scripture out of the, the 40th chapter of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40. Now, in Exodus chapter 40, you see the anointing being spoken about. Now, God's giving instructions, and he's giving instructions for something to take place in a specific group of people. This specific group of people are priests. Did you catch that? The specific group of people are priests. So God is speaking about this specific group of people, these priests, and he's giving instructions. He's saying, anoint them, consecrate them that they might minister as priests. You shall bring them and their children, their sons. You shall anoint them even as I have anointed their father, that they might minister as priests to me, and their anointing will qualify them for a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. Now that's reading from uh, New American Standard. But there's a, a statement there that stands out to me. It's, uh, it's talking about the anointing and what it does. Their anointing shall qualify them for a perpetual priesthood. It's identifying. It's the anointing of God upon your life that sets you apart from all else and all others. Qualifying you to do something. Qualifying you to be a priest. I want to give you a passage of scripture out of the book of Revelations. The book of Revelation, excuse me, chapter 1 beginning in verse 5. To him who loves us and released us from all of our sins. The one that released us by his blood. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to God our Father forever. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We've become so convinced that that God has made us to be Christians when the scripture goes out of its way over and over again to confirm that God has sent Jesus to purchase us with his own blood that we might be priests unto his kingdom. Priests identified by what? The anointing. The anointing being God's ability, God's power, God's authority as our enablement. God enabling us to do everything he would call us to do. Enabling us to bring solution into every difficult trial. Bringing uh, uh, triumph and victory into every place where there's hardship and loss. Just like Jesus would say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me. I mean, let me just ask a couple of things. Do we think that these things are good or bad? Poverty, good or bad? Bad, I agree. Uh, Captivity, good or bad? Bad. Uh, Blindness, good or bad? Bad, yeah. Uh, Oppression, good or bad? Yeah. And Jesus would stand and he would say, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God's anointed me to deal with all of this bad junk that's going on. He's put his power inside of me to enable me to go and handle all of this bad stuff that's keeping people from their call, their purpose, their life in his kingdom. 
He has equipped me with his ability, enabling me to deal with the poverty, the captivity, the blindness, the oppression. That anointing is in me and it's in you. And when we walk in that anointing, when we live out our lives in that anointing, allowing the power of God, all of the ability of God to enable us to do all those things that God called us to, we function and we operate in our calling as priests. I want to give you a passage of scripture identifying why the priesthood is is so powerful. Now, I mean, the scripture will speak for itself, but I do want to let you know that this isn't exclusive. It's not one uh, thing and one thing only. This is just kind of something that stood out to me, and so I want to offer it to you. Why the priesthood is so powerful. It comes from Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 6. Beginning in verse 22 and going through verse 27. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that is, is famous. I mean, it's, it's Aaron's benediction, Aaron being the, the high priest. It's a, it's a priestly benediction. But I want you to see the purpose behind the benediction or the blessing. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Okay, well, Aaron and his sons are the priests. So you could say the same by saying, then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, speak to the priests and say to them, you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now, I want you to hear this next passage of Scripture. He says, So they shall invoke my name on the people of God, and then I will bless them. The they is the priests. So the priest shall invoke my name on the people, and then I will bless them. Now, for me, when I read this or when I think about this, I repeat that in my head, and it would probably be annoying to you if I did what I do in my mind here out loud. But I, I do. I repeat it in my mind. Then the priest shall invoke my name on the people, and I will bless them. The priest shall invoke my name on the people, and then I will bless them. The priest shall invoke my name on the people, and then I will bless them. What I see is for people to be blessed, the priest must first invoke the name of God. And if the priests don't realize their anointing, but yet they're following the guidelines of what they've been taught it is to be a Christian and they've never stepped into what the Word of God proclaims it is to be a priest in the kingdom of God, then it's no wonder there's such a deficit of blessing among the people. I want to be a priest. I'm called to be a priest. I'm anointed to be a priest, and so are you. I want to learn what that means. I want to put it to practice. If the priest shall invoke the name upon the people, the name of God, and then God will bless them, then I want to do that. I want to understand that this benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you, 
Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That those aren't just poetic words once spoken by Aaron, but yet these are instructions to every believer who is a priest in the kingdom of God to begin to move in the name of God. And it's interesting to me that Jesus did no differently. I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture for your notes. John chapter 5, verse 43, when Jesus identifies his coming as the high priest, he says that he came in the name of the Lord, or in the name of the Father, or in the Father's name. And when he begins to speak about all of the, the victorious works, the power and the miracles, dealing with the bad things, as we put it earlier, Bringing that freedom to that captivity and that liberation to that oppression and that sight to the blindness and that, that uh, the gospel, the most generous message that could ever be proclaimed to all poverty when Jesus is bringing solution through God's empowerment in his life as his enablement, as he's operating in his anointing, he describes these works as works that I do in my Father's name. And then it's interesting and amazing to me that throughout the scripture as he speaks to the disciples, now if that's me and that's you, that he would begin to speak to us about our empowerment and our enablement being founded upon functioning and operating in his name. Ministering, seeking the will of God all in his name. And there's a powerful word there that we don't really use very often when we read about the work of the priest. The priest shall invoke my name on the people, and then I shall bless them. I want to see the people in Atlanta blessed. I want to see those nut jobs in Seattle that have their little autonomous zone. I want to see them blessed. I want to see them really blessed. <laughs> but before that's ever going to happen, I need to begin to do my work as a priest and invoke the name of God. I need to do that. I mean, Romans 10.13 says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As a priest, I want to stand in the gap for all those people that I can so easily label and paint as nut jobs and wackos and idiots and morons and somebody else give me some slanderous terms. You know you got them. But yet I'm called to stand in the gap as a priest. I need to be invoking the name of the Lord. You know, I, I like going through the scripture and seeing how God identifies himself. It's amazing to me how he reveals his name to reveal who he is and reveal his nature. We even have a few banners around the church here that reveal those things. I mean, I, I think it's important for us to catch that. I want to give you a few. I mean, I'm going to move through these very quickly, okay? But in Genesis 22:14, that's where you see uh, the word Jireh, or like Yahweh Jireh, or we, some people say Jehovah. I say Yahweh, like Y-H-W-H. Now, the W is pronounced like a V. If you go into Israel and you look at a street and it's like, hey, there's Weitzman Street. Well, they would say Weitzman, you know. So if you hear me say Yahweh, that's why, Yahweh Jireh. That's in Genesis 22:14, And, you know, we quote that as, as God will provide. And, and it's not, hey, Yahweh Jireh means go buy a Powerball ticket. He provided the sacrifice. This is the prophetic picture of him providing salvation in Jesus. He'll provide the sacrifice needed. Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh Rapha, the healer. It's found in Exodus 15, 26. 
Exodus 17, 15, Yahweh Nissi, N-I-S-S-I, meaning victory or banner. Makadesh, like M apostrophe K-A-D-D-E-S-H. Exodus 31, 13, the God that sanctifies. The God that sanctifies. Do you realize what, the, I mean, these, these names, these names are incredible to me. I mean, I've, I've got people that are in my life. I mean, even right now, I mentioned the, the provocation that came this week. There are men that are dear to me. I work with them, and I want to see God do great things in their lives, but they're in the, in the midst of bondage. I can be invoking the name Yahweh Mekadesh. Sanctify this man. Father, bless him. May Yahweh Mekadesh bless him and keep him. May Yahweh Mekadesh make his face to shine upon him. I am the priest that can stand in the gap, invoking the name of God and releasing the blessing of God. Judges 6.24, Yahweh Shalom, meaning peace or rest. 1 Samuel 1.3, Yahweh Saboeth, meaning of hosts. Of hosts, meaning like the one that commands the armies of heaven. The Lord of hosts. El Yon, you'll see in the scripture, El El Yon. Out of the Psalms, 717, most high. Can't get higher than most high, can you? Ra'ah, R-A-A-H, shepherd. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, that's one I can begin to invoke. Some of these guys that I'm around, that I see, that I watch destroying their lives, they're lost, they need guidance. I can invoke the name of God over their life as a priest. Hosinu, H-O-S-S, I'm sorry, S-E-E-N-U. I say Hosinu, and if that's wrong, pardon me, I'm from Texas. Psalm 95.6, our maker. Our maker. You know, that would be a great name to invoke as it concerns the abortion situation in America. Instead of just asking God, you know, hey, can you just make California fall off into the Pacific? You know, we could begin to invoke the name of God, proclaiming him our maker over every one of those situations. This is another one that's hard for the Texas tongue. Sidkenu, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. Jeremiah 23, 6. The Lord, our righteousness... You can begin to proclaim that over any sin issue, invoking that name over anyone dealing with any sin. I mean, just our righteousness is pretty broad-reaching. I misspelled Ezekiel on my notes. How bad is it? Ezekiel 48, 35. Shema. This is one we have in here. Shema. The Lord is, is present is really what it means, or it means he hears. I mean, how many of you have ever offered up a prayer and thought, you know, it's okay if God hears this or not? No. I mean, you want God to hear your prayers. It's the reason why you're praying in the first place. Shema. It's in one of the most uh, repeated prayers in, in, in uh, all of, of uh, Israel. You know, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It's, it's, it's hear, O Israel. It's a proclamation to the people. Hear and be aware that God, the Lord your God, he's one. He's not divided. He's not silver and gold. He's not a golden calf. He's not... He's not horses and chariots, but yet he's the one, the one that brought you up out of Egypt, the one that delivered you from slavery, the one who makes atonement for you. 
So you have all of these these names that are in the scripture and they're in there for a purpose. God's revealing who he is so that the priest can invoke his name and call upon his name, invoke his name upon the people so that blessing can result. I want to define for you the word invoke. It's a weird word, right? I mean, we don't use it every day. Invoke. Invoke. Now, this is not a Preston definition. This is a definition uh, from, from the dictionary. To cite or appeal to someone or something as an authority for an action or support. To cite or appeal to God as an authority for action or support. When you have been ordained into the kingdom of God as a priest and you're operating in your anointing, the authority to call upon the name of the Lord for assistance or help is your ordination. It's your calling. It's your purpose. When we function in our call as priests and invoke the name of the Lord upon people, situations, and circumstances, we are appealing to God's authority for action and for support. When I look around at the state of our country, when I look around at the state of the world, I can see need for lots of action and tremendous support. Now the question is, how am I going to spend my energy? Fussing, whining, and complaining? Or will I spend my energy invoking the name of God as a priest in his kingdom? I want to give you some results that come from operating as priests, okay? I told you it was one of the three things we're going to find. What we have as Christians, that was an anointing. Why we have the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Spirit's upon me because God has anointed me. And then that third one that we were going to find is our purpose as Christians. We're going to find that in the next few passages of Scripture here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also are living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Remember, priesthood. Those are the ones that invoke the name of the Lord on the people for blessing to be the result. A spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, a priesthood, excuse me, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. One of the results of me functioning and operating as a priest is the ability to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our praise and our worship. When we gather together and we sing and we declare, now by the way, it's not limited to music. Your decisions and your choices in your everyday life are worship to God. When you lay down your desires and take on his will, it's worship. As a priest, I've been equipped to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now here's the part I want you to catch. So that, right? Every time I see so that, it gets the wheels turning here. You're a priest so that, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm a priest so that I can proclaim who God is and what he's done. It's the reason why Jesus could stand and say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and look at how vocal those things are. Proclaim, preach. I want to give you this last one. Out of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, I want to look specifically at verse 10. Our purpose is as priests. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. 
It's a declaration of what God has done through Jesus. It says, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. That's the one that I want to close with. And they will reign upon the earth. When I look around at the situations, at the circumstances that we live in today, I ask myself, are the people of God reigning right now? And if we're not, what can I do about it? When we talk about invoking the name of God, I want to reveal something. I want to reveal something that that is hidden in plain sight. I mean, it's right there in the scripture when you see it. You know, we're familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, we know about the Ten Commandments. If you were to ask someone, you know, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? They they might not be able to name them all, you know. But the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, you know, you won't have any gods before me. You won't make an image. You won't take God's name in vain. You'll honor the Sabbath. You'll honor your mother and father. And then you have the things like don't kill and don't steal and, and don't commit adultery, don't covet, don't lie. And then Jesus comes and he, he says, a new commandment I give you. That's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because we know God didn't just like run out of gas. Where it's like, well, I wrote down 10. We'll finish it later, you know. Or, I mean, he cut the tablet, right? So it's not like, well, we're out of room. I had more, but that'll do for now, you know. So when Jesus comes, he doesn't say, uh, you know, another commandment I give you. He doesn't say, hey, you know, God, it was incomplete at first. He gave 10, but I'm here to give you the other one that was left off. He says, a new commandment I give you. So what Jesus is doing when he says this is he's saying, I want you to take all of those and realize if you roll all of those up into one, it's this. It's this. Love one another the way that I've loved you. But we're dealing with the same thing here as it concerns invoking the name of God. You see, all of these names listed, we have them on banners, and we should. I mean, that's probably the most biblical thing in this building are these banners. But then you see the coming of our King Jesus. And it kind of gets lost in a Christmas story. It's almost like a side note or a detail that there would be an angelic visitation to the one who would bring the Messiah into the world. And the instruction would be very specific. His name. What his name would be. Could you imagine if we were all in here and we were singing songs like, All hail King Jeffrey. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, it's so weird, isn't it? You know? Or in the name of Kevin, we give you thanks. But the specific was his name. It's very important. His name shall be called. So many things they could have said, you know, what kind of diapers to use or all of these things or all these instructions in child rearing. But yet the thing that was important that had to be established was this will be his name. His name will be above all other names. We can invoke the name of Jesus. From the Aramaic or the Hebrew would have been Yeshua, like Joshua, the salvation of our God. The reason why it's the name above every other name is because God's salvation is above all else. No matter what you're dealing with, you can claim God's victory over that. What if I don't remember, uh, you know, 
Jehovah or Yahweh uh, Rapha, uh, that he's our healer? What if I don't speak very good Hebrew? All I need to remember is the name of Jesus. Because it's over everything. The salvation of our God. I want to begin to function as priests. I'm so glad that I'm a Christian. But my Christianity is meant to be an introduction into the priesthood of the kingdom of God. To begin to live my life in such a way that I begin to invoke God's name as I'm called and anointed to do. And open up the gateway for the blessing of God in every situation, in every circumstance. I want to close with that. I want to ask you to stand with me and I want to pray together this morning. I mentioned last week's message being about that, the provocation that exists to, to draw us out from, from where God has rooted us, to make us part of the problem and not part of the solution. I mean, getting drawn into a rock fight and, and means you're throwing rocks too. The only thing that results is everybody loses. That, that provocation, we talked about it last week. Now this week, the purpose behind this week was to, to create a, a foundation to seek God as to how we respond. How we as priests can respond. I want to pray and I want to ask God to show us in his word, to, to, to confirm and reveal to us as we've already seen in his word, to speak to us how to function and operate as priests. How to call upon his name and invoke it or cite it as one who has authority to call upon it for support or help into any situation. And I want to begin to function as a priest. I want you to begin to function as a priest. Now, to get a different result from anything is going to mean change. It's going to mean doing things differently. And really and honestly, that's, that's easier said than done. But I want to trust that God can speak to us and lead us. And even when we sit down in our prayer time, we can sit down and it can be as casual as this. Father, I don't want to just do business as usual. How can I use this time to carry out my calling and my duty to function in my anointing as a priest in your house? I want to trust that he can stir in us how to invoke his name and how to release the blessing of his kingdom into our lives, our households, our city, this state, this country, and around the world. I want to pray, and I want to ask God to, to begin to stir those changes. Because without those changes, it's always going to be the same. Father, we bless your name, and we thank you for your word. We rejoice in the call to function as priests, priests unto you, to offer up holy and acceptable offerings to you to invoke your name, to lead to blessing. Will you increase our awareness and our understanding of what it means to be a priest in your house? And will you make us be sensitive to change, that we wouldn't be stuck in habits that would be fruitless, but that we would surrender to having our mind renewed and our heart softened, to begin to, to pray and speak in new and powerful ways. Let us see Jesus and his example that he would function and operate in your name. 
And now let us respond to his instruction and call to begin to operate and minister in his name, all empowered by your spirit. We thank you for the anointing. We acknowledge the anointing. Let it not be squandered in our lives, but let it be cherished. And let the call to function and operate as a priest in your house prevail in our thinking and have a tremendous impact in who we are and how we live. Let your name be called upon. Let words of cursing and criticism fall away from our lips and our minds and our hearts and let words invoking your name and releasing blessing prevail. And let the priests of your kingdom begin to function and operate in such a way that we might fulfill the call and the purpose to reign upon the earth. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at Church.